welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Bosho. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. We have three guesses what my message is. He is risen or he is risen or he is risen. Take your guess, take your big that's what I'm talking about this morning. Jesus Christ is risen. And the Bible says, had He not risen, our faith would be in vain. It is because of the resurrection that we have assurance of salvation and that we know we have a future. People want to talk about Him as a baby in a manger or a Saviour hanging on a cross, and He did. But I want you to know this morning, He's not a baby. He started as a baby and He's no longer hanging on a cross. Jesus Christ is alive seated at the right hand of the Father. Say it today, say Jesus is alive. So on the old Patmos, John, as he is a prisoner, after being boiled in hot oil, he has the revelation of who Jesus is today. That's why I always laugh when people want to minimize him because they have no idea who he is. And the Bible tells us who he is. This is the Christ we serve. And that is why we're not apologetic or ashamed. Because this Christ will come again and He will rule this world and He will rule the nations and the rulers of this world who now despise Him and mock Him and the enemies of Christ and the enemies of church. On that day, they will have to bow their knee and they will have to say, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It doesn't mean they're going to be saved. It might be too late for them. So John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in the book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice. Hallelujah. If there's a voice, it means there's a person. It means there's somebody that is alive, that's somebody that is still speaking today. Somebody that is still in control of the affairs of mankind. No matter what people are plotting, Jesus Christ is still the ruler of the heavens and the earth. And He's coming again. I said He's coming again. And I turned to see the one who was speaking to me in the midst of seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed in a garment down to his feet girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Not a fire of judgment, but a fire of love, but a fire that sees right into your heart, into your soul. A fire that loves you where you are, as you are, and a fire that at this time is not there to judge you but to save you. That's why Christ died for you, to save you from your sin and damnation, eternal damnation. His feet were like, the, like fine brass, refined in a furnace, and His voice as the sound of many waters. He had in His right hand seven stars, out of His mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Some of you sat in the sun uh, on Friday, but that wasn't the full strength of the sun. Okay, you are very far away from the sun. 
when we get into the presence of Jesus, you know, listen, people talk about him, uh, the man upstairs, and you know, they talk about God as if he doesn't matter. They talk about a savior that walked this earth as a beggar. He was anything but a beggar. He came as the Son of Man and the Son of God. He came as the Christ. He came as the Messiah. He came as the Liberator. He came with a message of hope and a message of redemption. He came with a message of freedom. He came with a message of reconciliation to say that God is not mad with you. God is not against you. God is not angry with you. But God has sent me into this world to redeem you, to bring justice, to bring forgiveness of sin. And when I saw Him, like people say, I saw God. When I saw Him, the day you see Jesus, you change. The day you see Him like Paul the Apostle, you change. Because He's not this little gentle Jesus, meek and mild, push over Christ. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the Saviour that faced the judgment, the wrath of God. He faced the greatest punishment and torture any human being ever could. He, he faced what is beyond humanly possible, sustained supernaturally by God. So you want to talk about a true hero? You better change your attitude about Jesus Christ. You want to talk about a true star? I want to say to you, it is the bright morning star. It is the Christ. You want to talk about somebody that you can glorify? He's the name that is above every other name. Come on, church. This is what South Africa needs. This is what Africa needs. We need to talk about our Saviour louder than ever because there's no other name whereby you will be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. But He put His right hand on me saying to me, do not be afraid, I'm the first and the last. I am He who lives and must dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death. Hallelujah. I want to shout it out today. I know some of you are tired. I am, but my spirit is alive. I can run around this pulpit, run around this building. I want to tell you Jesus is alive. I want to tell you my Savior is risen from the grave. I want to tell you that death could not hold Him. The grave could not keep Him. The devil could not defeat Him. But Jesus Christ, early on the third Sunday, on the Sunday morning, He rose triumphantly from the grave and He's alive. He's alive, He's alive, He's alive. Oh, the devil hated when we talk about the resurrection because it is the resurrection of Christ that meant His final defeat. The Bible says, had the princes of this world known what they did, they would not crucify the Lord of glory. But what they thought was a brilliant stroke was God's master stroke. God nailed our Saviour to the cross and we're going to talk about it tonight. The veil that He's torn, a new covenant, redemption. God making peace with mankind saying, I love you too much to leave you in your sin and your shame. I will send my Son, I will send myself into this world. And I'll tell you on that day, I think it would have been one of the most dramatic days to see those crowds mock Him and curse Him. But the hordes of hell in the Spirit gathered around that cross thinking we have Him, we have Him, we have Him. And then He descended, the Bible says, into the corridors of hell. And I think the devil had a party in hell. But then there was a quaking, there was a shaking, there was a moving. The Spirit of God descended into the corridors of hell. And the Spirit of God resurrected Jesus Christ in the corridors of hell. And Jesus rose in hell. 
and he took, walked up to that devil and he took from that devil the keys of hell and death that which kept you and me in bondage for eternity Jesus defeated the Bible says publicly he triumphed over him on his own turf in the corridors of hell he defeated him and he rose from that grave and he ascended oh come on somebody shout amen whether you feel like it or not he rose he rose he rose hallelujah give somebody a high five again and say he is risen that's why we don't have some dead religion we don't believe in dead services because our Savior is alive. He's alive. When certain women came to the grave looking for Jesus among the dead, the angel told them in Luke 24, verse number two, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb and they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now historians tell us that those centurion soldiers were bribed to say that somebody came and stole his body, but it's not the truth. Jesus rose physically from the grave and an angel rolled away that stone and Jesus walked out of that tomb in a glorified body and wonder you too will walk out of your grave in a glorified body to be with the Lord forever and ever. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this that behold, two men, two angels stood by, the, by them with shining garments. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Come on, man. Someone say he is risen. Oh, this is what our Christianity is about. I don't care if I don't say another word. You have to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. And because He is alive, I can face tomorrow. Because He is alive, all fear is gone. Because He is alive, I have hope for tomorrow. Because He is alive, I can face my storms. Because He is alive, I can walk through my valley. Because my Savior is risen. He's not a dead idol. His, his bones are not in the grave. He is risen. And when I pray, He hears my prayer. He's my advocate. He's my intercessor. He's alive. He's risen. And He's here today for you. You paid the price in your stead. They were afraid. They bowed their faces. And again He said, why, don't, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how He spoke to you when He was in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered up into the hands of sinful men and He must be crucified. And the third day, rise again. You know, sometimes people say after three days. As a matter of fact, if you want to work out in time, you clever mathematicians, he was sacrificed on a Friday between three o'clock in the afternoon and six o'clock in the afternoon. That's when darkness was on the face of the earth, okay? At six o'clock, he gave up the ghost. Early Sunday morning, before the sun was up, I think it might have been one minute past 12. I don't know. I'm going to find out one day when I get to heaven. Because it doesn't take God that long to defeat the devil, okay? People say he was in, in, in the grave for three days. No. 
He was sacrificed as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world on the Friday with the evening uh, uh, sacrifice. And at six o'clock, he cried out, Lama, Lama, Sabachthani. He cried out, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Darkness was on the face of the earth. And that's what this production is about. The greatest love story because this is it. Where God made peace with you and me by sacrificing His Son. But that peace could not be complete had Jesus not risen. There could not be a New Testament if the testator did not rise from the grave. There could not be a new covenant if Christ stayed dead. So He had to rise and He rose early. Somebody say early. He rose early on a Sunday morning because these women, these committed women, they came early, early in the morning and He was gone. He was up and about. He was already risen, ready did His job, ready defeated Satan, made a public spectacle of Him. He, he spoiled, the Bible says, in Colossians chapter 2, I love this, all principality and power, that means he stripped Satan on his own turf of all his authority. When those devils thought they had him, that's when the Holy Ghost came. That's why the Bible says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's no matter what you face, you may face a death situation. The Spirit of God is resurrection and life. And Lazarus, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you die, you will live again. I say to you, somebody here today, in the name of Jesus, you are facing a death situation. But I'll tell you, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is available. And as Jesus was raised from the grave, you will be raised from your sick bed. In the name of Jesus, I prophesied, I stand on that word that the power of God will resurrect you, that death will not have the final say, death will not hold you, death will not be glorified in this situation, but as Christ was risen, so you too shall be raised for the glory of God. Somebody say Amen. I don't know if it's a business, I don't know if it's a marriage, I don't know if it's your emotions, but on this day, you better celebrate the resurrection power of God because it's available today. As Jesus was raised up, God is going to raise you up. Listen to me, Johannesburg. Listen to me, Bloomfontein. In every death situation, there is life. And I shouted out today, life through the power of Jesus, life to your body, life to your mind, life to your womb, life to your kidney, life to your heart, life to your mind, life to your finances. I speak the resurrection power of Jesus Christ on this day for the glory of God. If you believe it, say amen. Oh, come on, give him a praise in Jesus' name. Give Him a praise in Jesus' Name. Come on. Hallelujah. We're facing possibilities at times, but He's the God of impossibility. And this story is more than just a story to give you hope to get to heaven. It's a story of resurrection power. And I'll tell you by the Spirit of God today, there's hope for you. Abraham, Sarah, Hannah, that same power that raised Jesus from the grave is available. Say Amen. So what does His resurrection mean? I'm too excited to teach. I should actually be teaching, okay. But I'll teach preach. 
So what does the what does the resurrection mean? Why did Jesus what did Jesus do after his resurrection? Number one, he ascended into the heavens to sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat, to make atonement for your sin. That means to make amends for your sin. Because we were all born in sin. The Bible says there's no just, not one. The Bible says your, your works of righteousness are as filthy rags. So in the Old Testament, atonement was made once a year by the high priest when he sprinkled blood on the mercy seat which was on the top of the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. Jesus, remember that veil that weighed like, like hundreds and hundreds of pounds. It was like a 12 inch thick woven curtain it wasn't just a little flimsy curtain that we have to use tonight. That was like thickly woven and was cut supernaturally, top to bottom, which means reconciliation, which means mediation, which is God making peace with you and me, which is God announcing a new dispensation, grace and truth. That grace and truth has come through Jesus Christ. Dispensation means time period. So when people talk about judgment, they're missing. Actually, theologically, the grace of Jesus, the time we live in now, because the Bible says God has chosen now to wink at our ignorance, meaning that God in the Old Testament, the soul that sins shall die. In the Old Testament, if you did anything wrong, go read the book of Leviticus, there was a penalty, there was a death sentence. Now, if you sin, the Bible says, you have an advocate, you have a mediator with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus who became sin. Jesus who knew no sin, but became sin. He didn't bear your sin. Sometimes people say, people say, Jesus carried my sins. No, He carried your sickness. He carried your poverty. He carried your anxiety and all the other things. But your sin, He became sin. He became the sin offering, the lamb, the substitute lamb on that cross so that you, when you accept Him, might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So why did Jesus have to ascend physically, bodily, in a glorified body? Remember in the Old Testament, when people died, they could not go to heaven. We do understand that. Like hell is in the belly of the earth. Hell has four compartments. One of them is called paradise or Abraham's bosom, which is now empty. That's where people went in the Old Testament. Into Abraham's bosom where they were comforted and they had to wait for the Messiah because no one could present themselves before God because the blood had not been shed. The only atonement you could have was the atonement of the blood of the high priest once a year confessing your sin. But your salvation was your faith in the coming Messiah. So those people in that prison, which means they were captive. And by the way, when Jesus went to hell, He didn't only just defeat the devil in, 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 in one of the compartments of hell, Gehenna, lake of fire is empty. Um, that's a place of the eternal judgment where people will cast together with Satan and his angels. So after Jesus defeats the devil in hell, he crosses over to Abraham's bosom, Ephesians chapter 4, says he, he, he led captivity captive. He preaches the gospel in hell for the first time to those Old Testament saints. And he says, I am He, hallelujah. 
I am He. I am the one that you were praying for and waiting for. And I'll tell you, when He went into hell and Jesus raised Him, I tell you, Abraham was dancing, Moses was dancing, Rahab was dancing, King David was dancing. They all saw the Messiah. And then Jesus ascended into the heaven and He took all the Old Testament saints with Him into the heavens. I mean, this is real. This is Bible. This is what happened. That's why I'm telling you, if you want to talk about a dramatic story, it's this Bible. So, Lazarus and the rich man, remember Abraham's bosom before Jesus died. And he saw people on the one side awaiting eternal judgment in a place of torment. But in Abraham's bosom, they were comforted. So Jesus went there, preached to them, Abraham, I am he. Moses, I am that rock that you beat, that you should have spoken to, but it's okay. I'm going to take you to the heavens in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He led David. Although the Bible says, David says, Jesus is his son. He's the, David is the son of Jesus Christ. And he led them into the heavens and he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat because there is no access into the presence of God without the shedding of blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remittance removal of sin so Jesus had to fulfill the prophecy of being the Lamb of God the sacrificial Lamb that pays the price for you and me atonement which means to make peace with God to be the propitiation the mediator of your sin between you and God to get you into the presence of the Father but first he had to go sprinkle his blood to fulfill the shadow and type of the Old Testament. He had to present himself before God the Father. And the Father, many people say, God looked away from Jesus when he was crucified. No, he did not. He didn't turn his back on Jesus Christ. He judged him. He judged him looking at his son. He judged him loving his son. So he doesn't have to judge you and me. That darkness was a sign of God's judgment, but it says it pleased the Lord. It painfully pleased the Lord because God knew in sacrificing His Son that He will make atonement for millions and millions and millions by making His Son unjust. He would justify millions or billions of people around the world as we see today. Come on, if you are one of those justified by the blood of Jesus, I think you can give God a praise. Hallelujah. So He ascended into the heavens to make atonement. Hebrews 9 verse 11, the Bible says, But Christ came as high priest of good things to come, with greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of His creation. Now remember, His body was actually the veil. We can't get into that now. A lot of scriptures read the book of Hebrews. I love it. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. So the veil that was torn, symbolically, is the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies, which means now the Gentile, the Jew, every believer has access. That's why the Bible says, having boldness to enter. Let us therefore come boldly. That veil was torn. But the veil that we come through is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. His body is the veil that was torn. His body, His flesh that was broken is your access to God. That's why the Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He is the veil. He is the door. He is the Savior. He is the advocate. He is the mediator. Come on in Jesus' name. He is your way back to God. 
He is your mediation. He's your peace. He's your new covenant. He's your new beginning. He is your mercy. He is your grace. He is your future. He is your hope. His name is Jesus Christ. That's why I don't understand why people want to half, half, half serve Jesus. He never half died for you. He died for you because of His incredible love that He has for you. And people say, well, it's not fair what Adam did. Well, Jesus was not God's plan B. Before Adam was even created, God already had His plan of redemption in motion. The Bible says before the foundations of the earth was laid, God already prepared Jesus as the Lamb of God. So He was always the safety net. As much as God loved Adam, in case Adam messed up, so that there's not a human being that can say, Adam, you're to blame. No, God says, I sent the last Adam, not a second Adam. Because if there's a second Adam, there could be a third Adam. No, there's the first Adam, there's the last Adam. That's the living spirit. That is Christ who died for your sin, to make atonement and to get you back in the presence of God. So we can all blame Adam, which I think sometimes we should know. We shouldn't blame his wife. No, um, blame the devil. No. Or we can say we have all sinned. And if you were that Adam, maybe you would have done the same. Don't think if you were created as Adam, we'd be okay. Maybe we'd be in a worse place much quicker. So God prepares. His plan of redemption sets it in motion in Genesis 3 verse 15 and protects the bloodline of Christ until the fullness of time. People say, when is Jesus coming back? When the number of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The Bible's very clear about it. God has a number in mind, which means souls that have to be saved. Then He's going to come again. It says, when that number is fulfilled, when the church does its job, when we plunder hell and populate heaven and do what Jesus uh, died for, we can hasten, listen, it's true, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, of the hour and the day, no one knows. So when people prophesy and say, I was in heaven, God told me He's coming tomorrow. They're lying to you. Because not even the Son of Man knows when He's coming again. You know why? Because He would tell you, He loves you too much. He'll tell you, hey, you better get ready. I'm coming back tomorrow. But He, he, he doesn't know. And the Holy Ghost doesn't know. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost will help you. The Holy Ghost will tell you, stop it. Stop your nonsense. But He says we should all be like those virgins. We should keep our lambs trim. We shouldn't be like the foolish virgins that says the master delay is coming and we begin to live it up in the world. We should serve God. We should wait on the Lord. We should be the, be, be the people of God. Light shining in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation because of what our Saviour did for Oh, come on church, this is our day. This is our time. This is our hour. So the Bible says He made atonement, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Now to redeem means to purchase back, to buy you back. The Bible says you were redeemed not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You know, slaves, the value of a slave was determined by what a person would pay for him. 
And we were slaves of sin. And God paid with His life. We're not talking about some person down the road. We're talking about the Creator of the heavens and the earth put His Son. Now we all know when our children go through something, it's bad, right? When we go through something, we feel sorry for ourselves. But when our children go through something, I mean, it's a whole other level. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you have a child, you know what I'm talking about. Think what it cost the Father to put His Son there. And you doubt the love God has for you? The Bible says God so loved. Don't quote the parrot fashion. Think about what that Scripture actually says. So much that He, he, he gave His Son to redeem you, to buy you back from the slavery of sin. You were bought, not with silver and gold, not with corruptible things, but with incorruptible things, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why I can tell you, you are valuable. You are worthy. You are loved by God because God gave His best to redeem you. God gave His best to save you. He brought you back from the slavery and the yoke of sin, shedding the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, for you and for me. It says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. Amazing, some people still do it. They slaughter animals thinking it will get them closer to God. Now slaughter the animal and enjoy the meat. That's called the bride place. Now some of you will be angry for me saying, the Bible says there is no more sacrifice. You can crawl from here to Timbuktu, you'll not get, become more righteous. I don't mock you. I'm trying to tell you, believe the word. Don't mix your culture with the word. You're not living under the old covenant. And if you want to live under the old covenant, then, then, then live under the whole covenant. That means if it's that time of the month, ladies, you should sit outside the city. Maybe your husband says amen to that. No, I'm just playing. Not. No, it's, you've been redeemed. Amen. And you should walk. I mean, it was so radical. If, if it was little things, it would, you have to walk around this woman and say, unclean, unclean, unclean. Do you understand the Bible? And anybody who sat on your bed should say, I'm also unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Anybody who touched you should say, unclean, unclean, unclean. That's why that woman with the issue of blood, when she touched Jesus, she was not permitted according to the law because she was unclean. But when the unclean touches the clean, the unclean becomes clean. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus did. He came to wash away our sin. He came to wipe away our sin. He came to, 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 to redeem. Oh, come on in Jesus' name. That's what He came to do. To make the unclean clean again. To make the morally impure, morally pure again. To make the unrighteous, righteous again. That means in right standing with God. To make the unsanctified, sanctified, set apart for God. How did He do it? By sacrificing His Son. By Jesus defeating the devil. By Jesus ascending into the heavens. By Jesus sprinkling His blood on the mercy seat. Making mediation between you and God. And declaring a new covenant, a covenant of peace and a covenant of mercy. A covenant of peace, a covenant of mercy that God says, I will not treat you according to your sin. I will treat you according to what my son did for you 2,000 years ago. A new day and a new covenant of mercy and peace. So the blood of bulls and goats, I have to close, could only cover the sin of people. 
but never clear people's conscience. How much more shall the blood of Christ, whom the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For this reason, He is the mediator, the go-between of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption, purchasing you back out of the transgression under the first covenant which demanded death that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance which is eternal life. TBN, One Gospel, all our television viewers, He came to give you life. He came to break the power of sin and Satan over your life. And all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved for the glory of God. God bless you. Amen. Give them a hand clap. Hallelujah. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. But we are now justified freely by His grace. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You receive it. Through the redemption that is where in Christ Jesus. There's nothing you can do that can get you closer to God. You have to accept what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago and walk in the power of what Jesus did for you. Because the Bible says what the law could not do, which is to break the hold, the power of sin over people's lives, God did by sending His Son. So the law pointed to a Saviour. Jesus came and became the fulfillment of the law. And with the death of Christ was the death and the burial of the law. You have to listen. Paul is very clear in Romans. A new commandment, a commandment of love. Love God, love your neighbour. They're the same. When you live according to those commandments, you will not steal, you will not murder, you will not be corrupt, you will not uh, be greedy, you will not, 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 not. So you don't live under do's and don'ts. You live by a new law, by the power of God's grace. So when you receive Jesus, that's what I'm saying to you. If you truly see Jesus, sin loses its power because He did not obtain a weak salvation for you, a little redemption for you. He obtained full redemption, full salvation, full forgiveness, freedom. He came to open the prison doors and it's now for you to decide whether you will walk out into this life that God has for you, which God purchased for you. You can't purchase it for yourself. He purchased it for you 2,000 years ago and with His ascension into the heavens, uh, sprinkling His blood on the mercy seat, making a new covenant, God making a statement at the death of Christ, and then Jesus coming back and then verbalizing this new covenant while He was walking on the earth for 40 days, seen by people, proved that He was alive with many infallible proofs. Historically proven that He's alive. 
That's why the Bible says the fool says in his heart there's no God. And that's why my spirit grieves for politicians in this nation that used to serve God, that have turned away from God, and they have a God complex, and they think they can save this country. They cannot save this country. Africa has to turn back to God. The leaders in this country have to turn back to God. The people in this country must turn back to God. And when we, hey, when we turn back to God, we will see healing. We will see deliverance. We will see reconciliation. We will see the peace that Jesus obtained 2,000 years ago. Shout amen in Jesus' name. So if you pray for the elections of next year, pray that God will raise up righteous men and women that will fear God. Men and it may be a David that's a shepherd boy. Somebody that's not even in the running now. But God has His way. God has His plan with South Africa. And we will call on the name of the Lord our God. And we will see Africa redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We will see the yoke of poverty broken and destroyed. And we will see freedom for the people of South Africa. Freedom from sin. Freedom from poverty. Freedom from bondage. Freedom from gender-based violence. That's what God wants for South Africa and for Africa. That's why I say, church, it's our time to arise and shine. We cannot be these pushover little Christians, thumb-sucking Christians, quiet Christians. We have the resurrection power of Jesus on the inside of us. And it's time for us to arise and shine and to take positions on the high places so we can see a move of God in South Africa. In Jesus' name, shout amen if you believe it. Hallelujah. We are not ashamed of the gospel. For the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. It's time to be loud about Jesus, to tell your friends, Jesus loves you. It's time to stand for God like never in our world. Our world is broken. It's time to take the message of Calvary, the message of the resurrection of Christ to our world. We don't serve a weak, timid little Jesus. That's why people can't intimidate us. We know who we are. We know whose we are. And we know who lives on the inside of us. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. That's why it's our time like never to take the message of Jesus to our world. And I know it's not popular. But if Jesus was popular, He would not be crucified, right? He was the Saviour. The cross or the crowd I'll ask again, where do you stand? On this Resurrection Sunday, every person has to look again. What Jesus did, He did it for me. He demonstrated His love for me. Am I willing to demonstrate my love back to Him? As He gave Himself to me, am I willing to give myself to Him? Those two thieves who hung on the cross, think about it. You know, I read the Bible and I actually think what I read. I picture it. That's what meditation means. On the cross, Jesus, two thieves. And if you've been in Israel, you know, when we talk about Calvary, everybody thinks it's this massive hill. It's not. It's like a little, a taxi rank now. That's how Satan tries to humiliate what Christ has done. But he cannot because the thing was what happened in the grave. And when he rose and what's happening after he sent, he sent the Holy Spirit. So... I mean, people can mock and scoff him, but I think about this often like those two thieves that mocked him. One on the one side mocked him, the other one cries out for mercy. These fools in Hollywood that you people worship as heroes, that are but dust, to dance to their music, but they, the Antichrist, 
they mock Christianity and you still download their foolish music. These are days of shaking and the Bible says in the last days, times will become more difficult. In other words, the dividing line will become clearer and clearer and clearer. Those who are for and those who are against. There's no middle ground. If you don't choose, the crowd will choose for you. Your culture will choose for you. Some foolish politician will choose for you if you do not choose. The basis of truth who is Jesus Christ. I know I anger people when I talk like this, but I don't have time to mince my words. Because if you died right now, where would you go? There's the reality. That as Jesus died, we will all die. And we will all be risen again. All of us. When you commit suicide, it's not like it's all black. I think that's what people think in a desperate moment, right? It's like, let me finish this. And it's, no, it's, it's the door into a new world. And I just want to say, I don't believe people who commit suicide go to hell. It depends on whether that person was saved and the emotional state of that person. Because God doesn't look like people, judgmental from the outside. You know nothing. And I'm not saying you can commit suicide. What I'm saying to you is shut up about other people. You just shut up about everybody else because you're not in that situation. You just, you just quiet. You, you just mind your own business. You stop vo- vo- voicing your opinion about everybody else and get on with your life. Your life for God. A life that counts for something because this Jesus crucified at 33 years of age changed the world because His life counted for something. Persecuted, ridiculed, attacked, criticized, unfazed. 11 attempts on His life in three and a half years. Jesus, your Savior, yeah. Not Hosanna, Hosanna. They tried to kill Him 11 times, man. He had to escape all the time because His time was not yet. That's why when they came to betray Him, He said, they're not killing me. I'm laying my life down. I can pray the Father now and send 12 legions of angels, 72,000 angels. One angel, one angel. When judgment came to Jerusalem, killed 70,000 people in an hour. One angel. What do you think 72,000 angels can do? Who do you think God is? Who do you think the Saviour is? The Saviour who had all power in heaven and earth, lay it down for you and for me because of His love for you. He could have taken power back at any time, but He chose not to. That's why the greatest thing you can do is to give your power to God, to lay your life down to God, to surrender your power, to surrender your authority, to surrender your life to Jesus as He surrendered His life to you. That is the greatest act of worship any human being can do when you surrender power, which means the control of your life to Him. And it's a big deal for strong men. It's a big deal for wealthy people. It's a big deal for people with big names. They may have a little name, nobody knows about them, but in their minds, they're a big deal. To lay down your life, it still is a life for a life. He laid His life down for you. You have to lay His life down for Him. That's the deal. That's the covenant. You have to surrender. He surrendered all power 
all authority on the cross for you. Your way back to God is that you surrender, which I did, all to Jesus. All to Jesus. And that includes anger, bitterness, resentment, hatred, tradition, culture, everything. To give Him all power back to Jesus. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving, please. In Johannesburg, there in Port Elizabeth, in Bloemfontein, the thousands. You're in Pretoria, the floor on the bell. Can you not hear by accident? I preach my heart out because I love you. I'm passionate about it because it is the greatest truth that is ever told. God so loved that He gave His Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Today, if it was your final moment, if you breathed out your last breath like one of those two thieves, where would you go? Today you say, Pastor, I haven't lived for God the way I should. I've taken back the ownership. I've taken back my life. But as you spoke today, I feel God talking to me. I, I need to surrender. I need to surrender all to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I need a new beginning. A fresh start with God. I want to pray for you. Before we close with communion, I want to pray for you as you make a decision, as Jesus made a decision 2,000 years ago when He went to that cross. It's time for you to accept the sacrifice of Jesus. And don't let your friends intimidate you. I got saved. My two best friends tried to intimidate me. Never worked. I gave my life to Jesus. This morning, God is talking to you. Say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God, a new beginning. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. If that is the desire of your heart, quietly, wherever you are, just slip your hand up, please. I want to say a prayer for you while every head is bowed. Raise your hand up high all over this place. Raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. Hands everywhere. God bless you, bless you, bless you. Raise it up. On the balcony, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you, bless you, bless you. Lift it up, lift it up. Come on, there's a stirring in your heart. That's where Jesus works. He said, I'll stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you open, I will come and sup with you. Before I pray this morning, you've not yet raised your hand. God praat met jou, daar is a woeling dieper in jou hart. In jou hart weet jy, God praat met jou. En vandag sê, ek wil my leven oorgee aan die Heere. Today, you say I want to surrender all to Jesus. Please let me pray for you. It will be the greatest honor ever. The greatest day of your life. Before I pray, you've not yet raised your hand. Slip your hand up quickly. Now, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Raise it up. Up there, yes. Raise it up. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you at the back. God bless you. God bless you. What a great honor to pray with all of you. Thank you for being here this morning and all our churches. Reach your hands out to them, please. And uh, one hand to them, other hand on your heart. Pray with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, you can have it all. I surrender my life to you. I accept you today as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you that you paid the price for all my sin. You died and you rose again and you are alive. And today I call on your name, Jesus Christ. Save me, forgive me, wash me in your blood. Thank you for a new beginning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, and amen, amen.
We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.